You are listening to Sunday Gospel Reflections, a podcast made possible through the work of the Institute of Catholic Culture. I'm Father Hezekiah Carnazzo, founder and executive director of the Institute and your host for this program. In this podcast, we'll explore the historical and literary context, themes, and significance of the readings for the coming Sunday. This podcast was originally recorded as a video. For the full viewing experience, please visit us at instituteofcatholicculture.org. Blessed is our God at all times, both now and ever, and unto ages of ages. Amen. Heavenly King, Consoler, Spirit of Truth, present in all places and filling all things. The treasury of blessings and the giver of life, come and dwell within us. Cleanse us of all stain and save our souls, O good one. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Hello, Andy Mitchell. Father Hezekiah, it is good to see you again. In nice another undisclosed you. location. Exactly. And still still <laughs> moving. Uh, but uh, here we are for the fourth Sunday in ordinary time, if I'm not mistaken. Indeed. And uh, looking at our passages for this coming Sunday. So let's just jump in here, Annie. Give us our biblical passages for this coming Sunday. Yes. So for the fourth Sunday in ordinary time, the first reading is taken from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. The responsorial psalm is from Psalm 95. The gospel is Mark chapter 1, verses 21 through 28. And our epistle is continuing in St. Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 7, verses 32 through 35. There we have it. Write it down. Make note of it in your little notebook there. And let's jump in here with Deuteronomy. My voice. Listen to that voice. Terrible. Deuteronomy chapter 18. And uh, we're going to take this from verse 15, right? Chapter 18, verse 15. Verse 15, yep. And there you have it. Okay. Yeah. Right up in. Okay, here we go. Moses spoke to all the people saying, a prophet like me will the Lord your God raise up for you from among your own kin. To him you shall listen. This is exactly what you requested of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly, when you said, let us not again hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, lest we die. And the Lord said to me, this is well said. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their kin and will put my words into his mouth. He shall tell them all that I command him. Whoever will not listen to my words, which he speaks in my name, I myself will make him answer for it. But if a prophet presumes to speak in my name, an oracle that I have not commanded him to speak or speaks in the name of other gods, he shall die. Huh. Okay. There you have it. There you have it. So let's, um, first of all, just get our bearings a little bit, remind us what we need to know about the book of Deuteronomy and then what has been happening sort of in the immediate context leading up to what we read today. Um, Yeah. So um, um, the book of Deuteronomy is literally the second law, Deutero, right? The the second. So this is the uh, law given a second time, right? The first law we received in the book of Exodus. And the law is given a second time here in the book of Deuteronomy for a particular reason. And I get into this in my salvation history series, uh, Swords and Serpents. So if you've already done Swords and Serpents, you already know this, and you can skip over this part of our Bible study. But it's good for us to recall what happened. What's that, Andy? I said good refresher, though. It's a good refresher. Yeah, yeah. Um, Because, you know, really, and we'll look at this again in the Psalms, a lot of times, all of a sudden, you know, the reading is given at church on Sunday and, oh, the book Deuteronomy and and why what's being said and why it's being said is kind of lost. Right. Um, and so um, and so this is a good good reminder. So your Deuteronomy needs fits into the book of Numbers, 
numbers giving us the accounting of the numbering of the people. Um, and in particular, the, the, the section we're looking at is Numbers chapter 25. So if you can keep your hand in Deuteronomy if you'd like or not. Yeah, keep your hand at Deuteronomy chapter Deuteronomy chapter 1 is where we need to be looking. Deuteronomy chapter 1, put your hand there. Okay. And Numbers chapter 25, put your hand there. Okay. And we're going to come back to Numbers chapter 13. Put your hand there. How many fingers am I going to need here? Say it again. Said, so how many fingers am I going to need here? You're going to need a lot of fingers, yeah. Okay. So, okay. So, and I might have you turn to one other place, but I don't think so. Well, yeah, Numbers chapter 1, verse 1. And then we're going to get, we're just going to ding, 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 and put it all in place, and you're going to know exactly where we're at in this particular text. So I have just enough fingers for this. Exactly. <laughs> so Numbers chapter 1, verse 1, the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness at Sinai in the tent meeting on the first day of the second month in the second year after they'd come out of the land of Egypt, <clears throat> saying, take a census of all the congregation, the people. So this is the census that that's taken and why Numbers is called Numbers, right? The numbering of the people as they're about to leave Mount Sinai to walk to the Holy Land, okay? Okay. And why is it that they have to take a census of the people? Well, because on their way across the desert, they're going to encounter the adversaries of the of the people of God. They're going to go to war, right? And he's got to know who he's got in the, in the camp. Sure. And because, well, they don't really know who's left, partly because of the golden calf incident and the judgment of the people and so forth, and the people died, and it was a big mess, as oftentimes happens in the Bible. So Moses got to know who's in the camp. Okay. Um, and uh and and so that's the numbering right there that you get in chapter one, and you can just see it. Um uh Verse 20, verse 22, verse 24. These are all the tribes. See that? Mm -hmm. um, and the counting of the tribes. Okay, now we're going to go ahead and close that part of it. And we're going to flip to Numbers chapter 13. Okay. The Lord said to Moses, send men to spy out the land of Canaan. So now they've crossed the desert. So that quickly, Numbers chapter 1. In Numbers chapter 13, we pick up the story of them arriving at the edge of the promised land. And of course, in toward the end of chapter 13, in verse 31, there are men who say they cannot go up against the Canaanites, right? Then the men who had gone up with them said, we are not able to go up against the people who are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel an evil report. So the people are like, uh-oh. God's not going to protect us. We should not go in and take the promised land. Maybe we should go back to Egypt. So that's what kind of happens. And then so they end up, they end up, yeah, you, you can see that chapter 14, verse 2. They murmured and said, would that we had died in the land of Egypt, right? Never good when they start murmuring. No, exactly. Bad word in the Bible. And then let us go back to Egypt, right? Right there. Let's go back to Egypt. Good grief. So they end up, because the spine of the land was 40 days, we end up in verse 33, chapter 14, verse 3, and your children shall be shepherds in the wilderness 40 years and shall suffer for your faithlessness until the last of your dead bodies lies in the wilderness according to the number of the days in which you spied out the land 40 days and every day a year you shall bear your iniquity 40 years okay now from chapter 14 you can flip to numbers chapter 25 chap numbers 14 to 25 is your 40 years and at, at 25 they end up on the edge of the Jordan River in the land of Moab the land of the Moab is modern-day Jordan, okay? And they are in there with the Moabites. Well, the Moabites are heathens. As the Lord had warned them, don't get involved with these people because they're going to turn your heart away if you do. And so here they are in the land of Moab among the Jordanians. And chapter 25, verse 1, while Israel dwelt in Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifice of their gods, and the people ate, and they bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, 
The anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and the Lord said to Moses, take all the chiefs and the people and hang them in the sun. And then a great plague breaks out in verse 9. 24,000 people die in the plague. Wow. And chapter 26, after the plague, the Lord said to Moses and Eliezer, son of Aaron, the priest, take a census of the congregation to find out out who's left. left. There's two censuses that are taken in the book of Numbers. This is the second one, right? And the Mm -hmm. second one ends up causing Deuteronomy or the second, the second sin, if you will, the, or the second time that they got to take the census, golden calf causes it, right? Now this thing causes it. And the second law is given mm-hmm. to them. And I've said this in my, in my series, I'll say it again for those that have not done swords and serpents with us. When, a, when my child um, uh, disobeys, I tell them that quite clearly how they're supposed to act, right? Yep. When my child disobeys a second time in a similar fashion, right? Because the golden calf incident was very similar to this thing playing with the daughters of Moab, right? Because mm-hmm. when you worship Baal of Peor, well, the worship is done by way of um, some hanky-panky going on as as the, as the golden calf. Um, and uh, and so um, you tell the you tell your your children a second time, hey. You couldn't figure out the first time. This is exactly how you do it. So watch this. So my son doesn't make his bed. I tell him, son, every morning when you wake up, you have to make your bed, right? Um, okay, I go up into his room and at 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning and the bed's not made. Son, when you put your feet on the floor, you are to take the sheet and pull it up in this direction. That's the book of Deuteronomy. It's telling the law of Exodus, but it's making it even clearer. And and the, and your connection here is going to be Numbers chapter 25 over here that we just looked at. Mm-hmm. Hold your hand there and hold your hand at Numbers chapter 1. Notice 25 verse 1. While the people dwelt in Shittim, the people began to play the harlot with the daughters of Moab. Deuteronomy chapter 1 verse 1. These are the words that Moses spoke to all Israel beyond the Jordan in the wilderness of Arabah, over against Sufa, between Parah and Tophel, Lave, and so on and so forth. It is an 11 days journey from Horeb by way of Mount Seir to Kadesh Barnea. So it's, this is, it's an 11 days journey from Mount Sinai to where they're now, where they're now encamped, right? Mm-hmm. And in the 40th year, so what should have taken 11 days takes them 40 years. In the 40th year, on the first day of the 11th month, Moses spoke to the people of Israel according to all the Lord had given him in the commandment after he had defeated Sion, the king of the Amorites, and so forth and so forth. Verse 5, beyond the Jordan, in the land of Moab. See that? Moses, Chapter 20, yeah. Numbers 25, verse 1. Daughters of Moab, Moses undertook to explain the law saying, okay? Um, and so there it is. There's your book of Deuteronomy. And you're like, you know, you morons, right? 40 years. And then you come to this and then you do it again. It's not a good idea. And that's where we're at. But now we are at the, toward the end of the book of Deuteronomy, right? We're in Deuteronomy. Well, it's not quite the end of the book, but chapter 18. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and there you have it. There's our text chapter 18, verse 15. Okay. So when it starts talking about getting a a new prophet from their kin, who is their kin? Okay, so I think maybe the answer to your question can be found in chapter 17. I, I really don't know exactly the answer to your question or what you're getting at exactly, but I will say this. I don't chapter know what 17, I'm getting at either. <laughs> chapter 17, verse 14. It's a good question. Chapter 17, verse 14. When you come to the land which the Lord your God gives you, and you possess it and dwell in it, and then say, I will set a king over me like all the other nations are around about Mm -hmm. me, you may indeed set a king over you, him Mm -hmm. whom the Lord your God will choose, one from among your brethren, not from among the nations around you. Yeah. So... Maybe, maybe this is a way of answering your question here, but in chapter 18, of course, 
we're talking about the Levitical priest from which Moses was taken, a Levite, regarding the Levites. Um, but uh, but nevertheless, I think I I think um, when uh, when Moses is speaking here, he speaks to all the people, right? A prophet like me will God raise up from among your own kin. To him you shall listen. So there you have it. Don't go looking. Don't go looking for the uh, traveling minster of the Moabites. Yeah, don't go hanging out minster with the Moabites the right and listening to them. Whatever. Minstrel. False prophet. Yeah. Don't go after the false prophets of the heathens. Don't go and bow down to the Pacamama. Yeah. Yes, not a good idea. <laughs> Choose one from among your people. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so well, I guess maybe I'm, I'm, <laughs> I guess maybe I'm, I'm wondering to the the people of God, and I'm thinking like throughout salvation history, not just the the people who are here with Moses in the the moment. Was there another prophet like Moses, or was Moses the greatest? Well, certainly when you talk about the prophet, um, yeah. when you're talking about the prophet, you're talking about. Uh, you're talking about Moses. Moses is the prophet of the Old Testament. So we always think about the prophets, right? But yeah. but for the Jews, if you say who, the prophet, right? So a good example, yeah, well, look, turn your Bibles with me very quickly to, um, to for example, John, John chapter 5. Okay. We can use this text as an example, okay? Chapter 5, verse 45. It says, do you think that I shall accuse you to the Father? It is Moses who accuses you, on whom you set your hope. If you believed Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote of me. Ooh. Oh. Now, so who's who's Jesus talking about here, right? He's obviously Jesus is making reference to. Deuteronomy 18. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. But the 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 reference to Moses as the as the one who has the authority, as Moses who accuses you, because Moses has this, this unique place in the in the life of Israel, in which Israel looks to what Moses did as emblematic of, of what they need, right? They need to be freed, not from Pharaoh and the Egyptians anymore. They need to be freed from the Babylonians. They need to be freed from the Persians. They need to be freed from the from the Greeks. They need to be freed from the Romans. Ultimately, they need to be freed from the devil. Yeah. And they looked toward a time in which the words of Moses in chapter 18 uh, would be fulfilled, right? When a prophet like Moses would arise. Now, this is the tragedy of this Sunday in our churches that we'll hear this passage, and if the people of God are reflecting at all upon it, they might say, yeah, a prophet like Moses, yeah, and maybe make a connection to Jesus some way, okay? But fail at least in the moment to have the space to ask the question, which is what? What question do you need to ask right now? Annie, what's the question you're going to ask? God's going to send a prophet like me. So now you're going to ask yourself, well, what does it mean to be like him? Yeah. Right? Um, what did Moses do, Annie? He brought him out of Egypt. Brought him out of Egypt. How did he do that? Well, he uh, crossed the sea. Being part of the sea. And yeah. in the sea, Pharaoh and the Egyptians drowned, right? The enemies of yeah. God were defeated in the sea. And Moses led them to Sinai where they received the law of God of how they were to live. Yeah, they encountered the Lord himself. So this is important. Moses also, what else did Moses do? What else did well, Moses do? Well, he brought the law to them. He received yeah, the, the law, how to live their life. Yeah. But he also gave them bread from heaven. Yeah. Well, yeah. John's well, now, now you, now you Catholics, wait, hey, wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus says in John chapter six, and I happen to be right here in my Bible, John chapter six, Jesus says, verse 31, 
Well, the people say, our fathers ate manna in the wilderness, as is written, he gave them bread from heaven. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven. My father gives you the true bread from heaven, right? And of course, yeah, the bread yeah. is going to, is Jesus. So Moses does more than just free them from Egypt. He also feeds them, right? Yeah. He also yeah. feeds them with bread, with the manna. He also gives them the the, the saving waters the water to drink from, water. from yeah. right? Fact, in fact, the Jews pick up on this in that previous chapter, John chapter six, John chapter five. No, John chapter six. I feel like I'm a, 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 a you know auctioneer. <laughs> verse fourteen. Well, look at John chapter six, verse five. Lifting up his eyes, and he, he seeing that a multitude were coming to him. Jesus said, "How many are we that, to buy bread so that these people may this?" So, of course, the multiplication of loaves and fishes, right, right Where? here, right before. His bread of life discourse in John chapter six, he multiplies the loaves and fishes. So, and then, and then verse 13. So they gathered up and filled 12 baskets. And verse 14, when the people saw the sign which he had done, they says, This is indeed the prophet. Ooh. Why do they say he's the prophet? Well, it's, it's Moses is the prophet. And Moses gave them bread. To eat, saving them from starvation in the desert. And there, and there, Jesus does it again. So verse 15, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force and make him a king, that Messiah him, right? Anoint him. Jesus withdrew to the hills by himself. Okay. So um, and so there's all these references in John chapter 5 to this passage in in Deuteronomy chapter 18. There's one more that we need to look at though. And that's in John. And you're like, wait a minute, we're not in John, we're in Mark. I know, I know, but Mark and John actually have a very similar thing going on here. So we're just, just hold with me here. John chapter one, John chapter one, verse 21. And they asked him, what then are you, Elijah? And he said, I am not. We've talked about that recently in our Sunday gospel reflections. Yep. And they said, are you the prophet? Yeah, are you the prophet? Mm. So why why are they asking John if he's the prophet, Annie? They're they're still looking for him. Yeah, but you don't walk up to Frank on the stream, guy. Like, hey, I mean, are you looking for the Messiah? Oh, are you I mean, Annie? I, are you looking for the Messiah? I'm serious about this. Are you are you living in expectation of the second coming? I mean, I hope so. Yeah, yeah but you don't walk up to, to Father his guy. Are you the are you the prophet? Are you the prophet? No, you don't walk up to you know Jack on the you know the the sure. grocery store. Hey, are you the no. What is what is John doing that causes them to ask this question? Oh well, he's baptizing. He's baptizing people. That's exactly right. So turn with me very quickly. This is new Sunday Gospel reflection. New. This is new. I was so inspired at that recent conference I was at when there was yeah. It was like maybe three priests actually had their Bible. So that's what we're doing now. We're flipping our Bibles like uh, you know like crazy over here. Look at um. Look at First uh, Corinthians uh, chapter ten. Yeah, ch yeah. There it is. First Corinthians chapter ten. I want you to know, brethren. No, okay. I went too fast. Are you there? Almost. I have Almost. See that? I'm it. slowing down. We're going to take our time. You. You're going to get out your Bibles and I'm going to slow down and we're going to get there together. So if you just gave up and you're like, Father Hezekiah, I can't flip so fast with you. Do it. Pause. The Do video. it. You What's can that? pause the video. You can just pause the video. Yeah. I'm the one that's got to move fast. Nobody else has to. Didn't you just meet some Jehovah's Witnesses at your door, Annie? You were talking oh, about yeah. That? Absolutely. I, I am the worst. They come no. weekly. Mora is going to pull up her emoji, her favorite with the head blowing off, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what happens when when the when the they don't even come to my house anymore. They've marked it off on their map. Don't go. No don't go. Yeah, don't but anyways, know. you gotta better be prepared to be flipping your Bible around with these people. Oh, yes, you do. Yep. First Corinthians. And not because they know the Bible better than you do, but they're gonna have you flip to stuff and you're like, and you, immediately you get nervous and they've won. Right. And once you get nervous, you go, oh, I can't find it now. What are they gonna do? They're gonna hand you their. Well, you know, my Jehovah's, my Jehovah's Witness actually is using a tablet. I just screen. saw that. I just saw that. They're using a tablet. They're using tablets so that Dude. they can. Yeah. They're gonna, I'm going to take them down on that one. I'm like, what, do you, what is that? That's not a book. 
But you know that the word Bible means book? Yeah. Oh, that's, that's an interesting book. point. Huh. Uh, anyways. I use that one. First I Corinthians chapter that 10. One, See, I'm not Thank talking you. to you until you bring an actual book with you. Okay. First <laughs> Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to know, brethren, that our fathers were all under this cloud and all passed through the sea and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Now, St. Paul's not just making up some Christian nonsense. This is how the Jews understood what took place at the cross in the Red Sea. And they understood themselves as being baptized. Baptism is not a Christian invention or a Jesus invention. John the Baptist was doing is baptizing people because that it was understood among the Jews as a necessary way in which one was cleansed of their sins. Hello, mikvah. And uh, and and then and then worthy then to enter into or made 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 more worthy to enter into the precincts of God, the presence of the Lord. And so it's very you know you can see, for example, on Mount, Mount Sion in Jerusalem, the upper the upper hill of Jerusalem, where the Essene quarter was at the time of Jesus. You can go up there now. I always take people up there. It's, it's where the upper room is and where Pentecost happened, and all around the edges of that area in the in the hill, there's all these old mikvahs in there. I mean, oh, wow. the date to the time yeah. of Christ. And they're wow. like, they're, you wouldn't think it, but I mean, it's pretty cool. Like they're actually like out in the field with weeds growing in them and around them. You can see the old plaster mikvah, 2000 years old, cool. that was used because before they entered into the Essene quarter, before they could come into the presence of God's people, as when they had been outside of it, they had to be cleansed. They had to be, in a sense, baptized. They'd be washed, right? So baptism is not a, a Christian invention. It was known among the Jews. And here we talk about the baptism of Moses or the being baptized into Moses. So we're baptizing in Greek means to be plunged into. You may have made one with. And I've made this point before, but it's worth making it again. Because what, what does it mean to be baptized into Moses? I want you to, I want you to imagine that Israel on the edge of the, the Red Sea with Pharaoh and the Egyptians barreling down on them. Oh, we're going to die. We're going to die. Moses says, strikes the water and the waters part. And I know I've said this before, but I love this point. I just love it. And that is, if you're on the other side of the sea and you and, and the waters part, these two walls, as it crosses the sea, your, what's it called, Annie? Perspective. Your, yeah, your, your perspective, perspective goes like this. And, it, and then the sea closes. So for them to walk into that kind of walled valley was walking into certain death. They looked they, they were going to walk into the sea, like into the water. Like, Moses, what are you seeing? Here? I'm, you might walk into that. <laughs> Hell no, I'm going there. <laughs> you know? And then he says, well, either you're going to trust me or you're going to get killed by Pharaoh. What are you going to do? You're going to believe yourself to me. Right? They were baptized into Moses in that moment because Moses said, walk, and they walked. He said, they're going to live. And the only hope they had was in his vision, in, in what he understood, right? They, didn't, they couldn't see it for themselves. So they had, to, they had to have total faith in him. They had to lay down what they saw, what they perceived, and say, I, we trust you completely with our life. They died to themselves in that moment, and they came alive in Moses. And in that moment, they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. That's the faith the church asks for in baptism when we come to stand at the waters of baptism, yeah? Wow. So that is a long way of going around and around and around to talk about this text, but but nevertheless, here we are. I don't know. Wow. Do you have anything else, any questions about, about it, Annie? No, not about this one, because I think it, it pairs nicely um, with the gospel in a way. So why don't we take a look at the responsorial psalm here, Psalm 95. I, this, oh, yeah. I will, but I just didn't think about one thing about this passage I wanted I had to say that yeah. that just it just struck me because that, that thing in John where in John chapter five, is that John chapter five when he says he says Moses accuses you? Yeah. So the Lord your God will raise up a prophet like me from among you, from your brethren, him you shall heed. Mm -hmm. And isn't it interesting? That they don't heed him. They don't heed him. Which means that they're not them. That's cool. Whoa. Stuff, right? 
Wow. And, and yeah. now they are, they are them, but they're not by, by their lack of faith. They, they, they remove themselves from, from the inheritance of God. Wow. Right. Remember the Mount, Mount Transfiguration when the, the father says of Jesus, this is my beloved son, like he did at the baptism, says, listen to him, yeah. listen to him. So isn't that interesting that they're not listening to him and by their action of not heeding his voice, not listening to his word, they then are removed by that lack of faith from the, from the people of God in some way. I don't know. That's interesting. I've got to think about that. And our calling then to listen. Listen to him while Moses is standing right there with, right next to Jesus. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Okay. Pretty cool. All right. Pretty cool. Well, Psalm 95 um, hearkens us back to the, the Exodus, does it not? If today you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. Yeah. And I, I am, when I looked at that at first, I, my, the, the words kept that is being used here, kept going. I'm like, Oh yeah, that's Exodus, right? And then I kept reading, and of course it is. Uh, come, let us sing joyfully to the Lord. Let us acclaim the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyfully sing psalms to him. Let us bow down in worship. Let us kneel before the Lord who made us. For he is our God and we are the people. He shepherds the flock he guides. Oh, that today you would hear his voice. Harden not your hearts as at Maribah. As in the days of Masa in the desert, where your fathers tempted me, they tested me, though they had seen my works. And what were those works? Was not only the crossing of the Red Sea, not only the miracles in Egypt, but the giving of the bread of, of, of life, right? The, yeah. the, the manna which came down from heaven. So you, could, you could either make a note there, or if you want to turn with me very quickly, we can look at these passages in Exodus 17, Exodus 17, Exodus 17. Yeah, are you with me, Annie? I'm there. All the congregation of Israel moved on from the wilderness of seen by stages according to the commandments of the Lord and camped at Rephidim, but there was no water for the people to be drink. The pe Therefore, the people found fault with Moses and said, give us water drink. Moses said to them, why do you find fault with me? Why do you put the Lord to the proof? For the people thirsted there for water and the people murmured against Moses and said, why did you bring us up out of Egypt to kill us, our children, our cattle and so forth? Okay, so this is where this is this is where he's going to give them give them water, even though they murmur. Okay, and you'll see this verse seven. And he called the name of the place Masa and Maribah because of the fault finding of the children of Israel and because they put the Lord to the proof by saying, is the Lord among us or not? Okay. And then, of course, Numbers, Numbers chapter 20 later on, a similar situation happens. Numbers chapter, we were all in that area just recently as we were looking at this thing. And the people, people of Israel, the whole congregation came in the wilderness of Sin on the first month. The people saying, uh, staying in Kadesh, and Miriam died there and was buried there, and there was no water for the congregation. They assembled themselves together against Moses and Aaron. Okay, and similar situation happens, right? So these are the two times, and then and so this is the place of the of the murmuring that happens. Um, and so we're we're to recall this happening in the church and then to remember to hear his voice listen to him right this is what moses said or what the lord said to moses right a prophet i will raise up listen to him and so we're constantly reminded to listen to the word of the lord and this is i think of uh, the, the the kind of the theme of our sunday is this listening in which the lord is calling us to entrust our lives to him in a way that is uh, difficult for us, much like Israel on the, on the edge of the of the Red Sea. Huh? But what are you also going to do? You got Pharaoh and the Egyptians about to kill you, you know. Yeah. And and in in our case, uh, sin and death, the work of the evil one, is is seeking our destruction. Are you going to listen? 
And are you going to walk in his ways and put behind you your way of sin and your way of the way of death, you know, your old life, and be willing to be baptized into him and to walk with him? For he is the only one who can give you the water of life. He is the only one who can save your soul. He is the only one who's going to give you the bread, which is going to nourish you in your journey from here to the promised land. And how beautiful it is that we get this passage now in these weeks leading up to Lent. Lent is, yeah. believe it or not, right here. Yeah, yeah on the traditional calendar, Lent. it's Septuagesima Sunday this weekend. Uh, exactly. So yeah. um, we're going to still start seeing our uh, emails coming out from the ICC, preparing us for this coming, uh, this coming Lenten season. And uh, we're going to be led this year. Last year, we looked at Father Alexander Schmemann's insights. This year, we're going to take a look at Dom Prosper Garanger as our guide throughout Lent. Uh, we'll nice. be sending out regular, regular, uh, beautiful insights from Dom Prosper Garanger for this for this journey that we're on. But here, the church, listen, listen to the Lord, and uh, and follow His way. Yeah, um, and we're going to hear now in the Gospel account of this is very interesting and i hadn't thought about this before we started this gospel but this thing about you him you'll listen to and the people aren't listening mm -hmm. but you know who does listen to the demons the demons you know? yeah so let's take a look at this what are you, mark mark chapter mark, one chapter still, right? one yep mark chapter one and we're starting in verse 21 today mm -hmm. so let's mark chapter one verse one. 21 okay I got to move away from numbers. And Part chapter one, verse 21 through 28, I believe we're going to. Yes, that's correct. Yeah. All right, here we go. Then they came to Capernaum, and on the Sabbath, Jesus entered the synagogue and taught. The people were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. In their synagogue was a man with an unclean spirit. He cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Jesus rebuked him and said, Quiet, come out of him. The unclean spirit convulsed him and with a loud cry came out of him. All were amazed and asked one another, what is this? A new teaching with authority. He commands even the unclean spirits and they obey him. His fame spread everywhere throughout the whole region of Galilee. Nice. Wow. Yeah. A demon listening to Jesus mm -hmm. and following his words. Pretty incredible. So um, as we always do to, to kind of get our context here, you know, last time, you you gave us some cross references to the other gospels to kind of get a better mm -hmm. sense of where we were in his ministry. Yeah. Do you think you could do that again today? Let's do that again. I find it super helpful. If you don't find it helpful, well then you can just stop listening. <laughs> That's what I love <laughs> I about it. I find it helpful. I thought it was really interesting I last week. So I do love it about the Institute of Catholic Culture that it's free, which means <laughs> you don't like it. There's the door. But if you like it and we want to work together, that's great. So um, uh, I had a professor in uh, in college that used to say that. The door! <laughs> I don't have time. No. Uh, we're, so we're going to do that again. I think it is very helpful. So what we're gonna, remember the synoptics seen with uh, optic one eye. So it's the, the vision of one, one eye, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And then John, of course, is the eagle and takes us to a different, from a different approach with the gospel story. But, uh, but, but it's always good to take a look here. It's not that John doesn't fit into the story or John's way of talking doesn't fit in. We can take a look at that, but, but at least uh, here, I think it's good to go take a look. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and well, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, let's take a look. So hold your Bibles right there. Let's turn to Matthew. Okay. Matthew begins, of course, with a genealogy, and in chapter th 3, verse 16, is the baptism of Jesus, and actually, I'm going to recommend you guys to do this, is take your highlighter, and if I don't know if in your Bible you use green for life, uh, that's what I do. Baptism and life, I always use green. That's what I do, and I'm not saying you have to use that, but that's, what I, that's how I do it, and I highlighted Jesus. I highlighted spirit of God and in verse 17, 
I highlighted a voice, and that voice, of course, is the heaven, our Heavenly Father. And then I drew a line with my ruler as a triangle between the three, okay? So that my eye can easily jump to the story of the baptism in every gospel. It's very easy. My eye just goes, boom, there it is. Because I see that triangle. I see the, the green highlights. I know that's the baptism of the Lord. So that's So here we go. Here's what Matthew does. Matthew has the baptism. Matthew in chapter 4, verse 1, has the temptation in the desert. Right. And then in verse 12, now when he had heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee and leaving Nazareth, he dwelt in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. Those are the northern tribes, the first ones that were conquered by the Assyrians, which why, why there are people in darkness, right? Um, and those are the verses following right there from the prophet Isaiah chapter 9, in which talks about a great light is come right to these people in darkness because they are the people that were first conquered. So Jesus goes up to reclaim the, the 12 tribes, if you will. And in, in verse 18, as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. So there's Mark in last week's gospel, right? The calling of the apostles. And then verse 23 he went about all of Galilee teaching their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. That's where we're at in Mark. So Mark gives us a little detail about Jesus going to the synagogues. And his detailed is this driving out of the demons in the synagogue in Capernaum. But he told, now we learn something more. Now he wasn't just going to Capernaum. He went all, all the synagogues all over that area, right? And, and probably in Magdala and in uh, Bethsaida and so forth. And he preached in there and he, and this is what he was doing, driving out the demons. Okay, fine. Matthew, Mark, we're going to take, well, we're in Mark. So let's take a look at Luke. Luke, in a similar place uh, in chapter 3, verse 21, highlight uh, 21, actually verse 22, Holy Spirit, right? A voice, mm -hmm. and then Son, and my beloved Son, right? Son. Mm -hmm. And there I'm going to draw my three, my triangle there and my eyes going to be able to land there right okay right. but in, in luke luke immediately gives his genealogy taking us all the way back to adam the son of god in verse 38 matthew starts starts with abraham right right and then so but mark works his way all the way back in chapter four jesus full of the spirit returned from the jordan and was led away for 40 days there's the temptation in the desert Mm -hmm. Okay, and in verse 14, and Jesus returned in power of the Spirit into Galilee, and a report concerning him went out throughout the whole surrounding country, and he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. So there's Jesus and Mark driving out the demons, and then in all of a sudden, Luke skips to verse 16, or, or to Nazareth, right, which we're going to look at. There's all sorts of things that happen that Luke doesn't report, but that Mark does. So Mark gives us these unique stories. I happen, I have to say, I happen to love Mark. And because of these stories, and they're so detailed, and, and you can literally go to these places today and walk from one site to the other. So this is, this is when I take the ICC people to the Holy Land on pilgrimage. What we do is our first day in Galilee or on the Sea of Galilee. We wake up early in the morning, and most of us walk, but a few take the bus that need to, and the place we stay at is right next to Tabga, and so you can walk. It's like a 15, 20-minute walk from where we stay right on the water, just north. Jesus certainly would have stayed on the water right there where we stay in our, in our little retreat place, and we walk up to the spring where Jesus called the apostles in Mark chapter, chapter 1, verse 16. Nice. And that waterfall, we showed you last week, we'll pull it up here again. You can see that waterfall there, right? They washed their nets in that waterfall. That's where they love to fish. I remember being there one morning, this guy's out there fishing in a boat and uh, it was great. And he's, and I'm reading my Bible and he's, he's fishing and he, he throws his net out and he tries, he pulls it up and there's nothing. And he looks at me and he must have known I was an American. I was staying at this retreat center. And he says to me in English, nothing today. <laughs> and uh, and uh, I was- Did you I say, should've... cast it over to the I, other side? I, I totally should have done that. <laughs> you know? but, um, 
but so so anyways from there from, from there we actually jump in the water right where i'm sure the apostles bathed in that water right there with jesus and then walk up or you can take the bus which is about a 20 or 30 minute walk up the seashore along the edge there's a walking path now to capernaum and we get into capernaum and the first thing we do is in verse 21 we enter the synagogue right and so we show you this last week i'll show it to you again the remnants that you see here the synagogue is synagogue that was built just after the time of christ but the foundation of the synagogue the floor of it you can see there's black basalt stone which is the local stone which is which dates from the time of christ so the floor of the synagogue is the same where you stand there just well just under the floor but it's the same power as the spot jesus stood and then with the driving out, we proclaim this gospel. And then we literally walk out of this synagogue with Jesus, verse 29, and immediately left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon, which we're going to look at next week, right? So this is a wonderful thing to be able to do. But okay, there's my biblical context. There's my geographic context. And we're going to keep going back to these pictures because you got to get it in your mind. It's a wonderful opportunity to have a little Holy Land tour here at Sunday Golf Reflections. Okay, Annie. Yeah. So can you, I mean, what is, what is the significance? It, I mean, twice in, in Mark here in this gospel passage, it talks about how astonished they were that he was teaching with authority. What does that mean? I think this does go back to Deuteronomy chapter 18. There's an interesting play here in, in, in what's taking place. Jesus calls out the demons, right? So he says that, okay, let's just go back real quick to verse 21. And they went into Capernaum and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and taught. And they were astonished at his teaching. Now, first of all, it's important that this is taking place on the Sabbath because Jesus' healings always, most of them, a lot of them take place on the Sabbath day intentionally because the Jews have lost the meaning of the Sabbath, right? The Sabbath is the day in which we enter into the resting of God in which we have communion with the one who is the giver of life. So Jesus, on the day in which the communion of the seventh day, right, this the number seven and the word for covenant or oath share a common root, as Dr. Scott Hahn oftentimes points out, a common root. And so therefore the number seven is a symbol of the covenant, right? So the Sabbath day, the seventh day is the covenant day, the day of the two becoming one. Right. It's always this day that God in the person of Jesus Christ sees a man under the dominion of the devil and restores the person. Yeah. And so the driving of the demons, the healing of the blind, the healing of the paralytics, the, the freeing from sin, all of this man, man, fallen man and savior God. Yeah. Come together there and man is restored. And so that we, we yeah. see this taking place on the Sabbath and the synagogue and taught. They were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, right? And he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are. This is very important because he, he the demon tries to gain, this is a, this is biblical control taking place right just as adam named the animals in the beginning mm -hmm. so this is this is the way in which one gains control of the other from a biblical perspective that is naming the person right this is what i'm not sure nicodemus intended it this way but certainly john picks up on this so when nicodemus says we know who you are yeah in other words I've, I have, I, I know I have full knowledge. I'm the one who judges. That's what Nicodemus is struggling with. Right. And Jesus yeah. says, you cannot know Nicodemus. And so, um, and so the demon immediately knowing who Jesus was, tries to control him, tries to kind of gain that, what Jesus is going to do to him over Jesus, right? To drive out Jesus from Jesus, if you will, whereas Jesus is going to come out and drive out the demon from the demon, right? So St. Uh, the Venerable Bede says, it, it was appropriate since death first entered into the world through the devil's envy that the healing medicine of salvation should first operate against him. The presence wow. of the Savior is the torment of the devil's 
Wow. Oh, that's awesome. So Jesus awesome. comes up first act, whereas the other gospels pick up the temptation in the desert. Mark leaves that to the side and it gives us the encounter in the synagogue. But in both cases, Jesus is encountering the evil one and driving him out, right? Why? In the beginning of his ministry, because Jesus has come not only to heal the demoniac or to, to, to give you know walking power to the paralytic, he's come out to drive out the devil from his dominion over mankind and restore us as children of God, as sons of God, yeah? Which is why Mark begins his gospel as John does in the beginning. Yeah. See that? Yeah. And immediately he says what John says at the high point of his prologue, which is that this is the son of God, right? The high point of John's prologue, he says, he's come to make us children of God. Mm-hmm. So John takes it from a different perspective, but saying the same thing as Mark says, identifying this one as the son of God. If he's the son of God, then the, the battle is on. Because this is all about the restoration of Adam, who's made in the image and likeness of God. And to be in the image and likeness of God from Genesis chapter 5 is to be one who participates in the nature of the fa- of their father. Okay, He's to, to, to be in the image and likeness of God is to be the son of the, of, of the, of the other. Yeah? Um, and so, so now the son of God, the new Adam, encounters on the day in which the Sabbath disaster of Genesis chapter two and three takes place. Chapter three, Genesis chapter three takes place, right? The fall takes place on the Sabbath day in the, in the biblical account. If you look at the end of chapter two and chapter three, from a, from a day standpoint, it's the Sabbath day. And there's where the breaking apart takes place. Therefore, Jesus goes to Sabbath and he meets the one who says to Eve, did God say you cannot eat of any of the trees of the garden? He takes him on right there and drives him out reclaiming man, right? And you can almost see him reach through this scene to the house of Peter, grabbing the hands of Peter's mother-in-law in this moment. Sick, sick mankind, sick under the dominion of the devil. Jesus casts out the dominion and restores man to health. But that's for next week, my brothers and sisters. And we have gone almost a full hour <laughs> right now. And I unfortunately have to go to an optometrist appointment. So therefore, we are finishing right here. We're done right now at this moment. And I'm going to run out the door. And uh, may God bless you all on this beautiful Sunday. Listen to the voice of God and follow him. To Christ our God be glory both now and ever and to ages of ages. Thank you for joining us for the Institute of Catholic Culture's Sunday Gospel Reflections podcast. The Institute of Catholic Culture is an adult catechetical organization dedicated to the re-evangelization of our society through educational and cultural programs offered to the public at no charge. I invite you to explore all we have to offer, including over 900 hours of on-demand catechetical opportunities, and sign up for our upcoming events by visiting instituteofcatholicculture.org.